Hello, welcome to What Else? This episode is the second half of my discussion with Bish, and it's more discussion than interview. It also gets into some fairly nerdy music territory. Um, and a program note, this was recorded outdoors in uptown Chicago in the summertime, so you'll hear a fair amount of ambient sound in the background. Um, I'd like to thank the Chicago Podcast Cooperative, chicagopodcastcoop.com, for hooking up the sponsorships and generally being great and supportive. Um, enjoy the episode. Here's Beesh. I see lights. Beesh, it seems to be sort of working. Yeah. I see dead people. Okay, we're going to welcome people to the show. Peephole. Let's say this is a new episode. It's an extension of our previous discussion. You slate a a second, uh, you call it a second one, and you can splice as you like. So, uh, this episode, for people that didn't hear the previous episode, is a discussion with Beesh, a.k.a. Mark S. Schwarz. A lot of siblings. Swars right there. Hello, Mr. Swars. Beesh. Um, and in our last chit-chat, we talked about the fragility and transitory nature of the self. Yes. Uh, law school. It's a never-ending fascination for me. Memory and is it? Me. <laughs> um, no, but the self, I think, is a fascinating, shifting, ephemeral, moving target. It's like, you know... Heisenberg style. You look so, at it, it's different. You don't look at it, it's also it's different. It's also very Buddhist, right? It's very Zen. Never the same river twice. Mm-hmm. You're Heraclitus. That's, yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah, I think so. Heraclitus? Yeah, I think Heraclitus gets yeah. a, uh, Heraclitus gets the uh, credit for that one. <laughs> That's right. hi <laughs> Penicillin gets second billing. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's some of that. Mm-hmm. We had a nice breeze out here right yeah. now. Yeah. The weather's changed. Yeah. I feel a change in the tenor of our conversation. Yeah, that's right. It's going to get different. That's right. Because we have... Well, now we got the sirens. We're getting a little... That's right. Jet Action. planes, wind, Action. sirens, uh, the works. That's right. Uh, Beach, we were just talking off camera a minute ago mm-hmm. about uh, doing having like discussions mm-hmm. with... Musicians or music people. Watch out for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm looking down at a parking lot where a man has just run into a car. Little does he know. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, anything can happen. That's right. And talking about how I think most there's a few, there's definitely some some deep specific sort of nerdy things where people talk about how to play mm-hmm. music, you know, like guitar tutorials and things like yep. that, which are great. Um, and then there's a lot of what is called, quote-unquote, music journalism or whatever, right. where people are not really talking about... They're talking about music as a sort of cultural sure. artifact, but not, sure. they're not talking about mm, the musical part of music. They're talking about the significance of music more... Well, there. I mean, and to give the slightest amount of credit where it might, I'm not sure that it's due, but I'm going to work. I'm trying here. Um, you know, most people in the most music in the world goes to people in the world who don't make music. Right. Music exists 
not simply for the person who's making it, but it's also for everybody else. And it's just as much their music as it is anybody else. Totally agree. Here's what I, the interesting thing, though. People will talk, like sports journalism or whatever, will talk about the very specific strategic right. and tactical or you, yeah, or te- technical technicalities about about how performance curveball yeah how a tackle was made right any exactly. number of things and people how he kept his balance how he stripped the ball people listening never pitch how he releases they his ball pitch. yeah they, they don't, don't they're not tackling people right. on a football field in pads this is true so it's interesting to me that they will, and yet there's clearly they're not over the heads of right. their audience, and the audience is interested and can engage in this. Evidently, because otherwise engage. they'd probably stop, right. but people do. Yeah, but they the won't do it about music. But even now, I think in the modern era, they'll won't. do it a lot more about film. Won't. That's true. And right. TV. Yes. And, and the technical aspects yeah. of how it's made. Animatronics, yeah, exactly. And, but, but they don't do the same thing about music. Someone, I think that's... let's say, a, someone whose name rhymes with Schmeg Schmott, right? We'll say yeah. like he was hurling shards of distortion, you know, or yeah. whatever. But they're not talking about the guy was playing, you know, playing fifths. Yeah, he always carries a fifth under his root. You know, he, he's that guy. He plays. He, he doesn't anchor it on the root. He anchors it on the fifth. Right. And nobody talks about that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. That's true. Um, I think there's been a little bit of bleed over with the um, pun intended, whatever intended. I don't even know. Not a pun, but something. Um, That, like, you know, like at some point the the auto-tune became a, a, a known word, which is weird. Like, even as it was happening, that was weird. Like... People became fascinated enough with the technical aspect of it. Like, how is that happening? How do they make all those songs where they sound like robots? You know, like, and then auto-tune the news became a thing that people understood just by calling it auto-tune the news, which is sort of an astonishing thing. It's not like, you know, there was no strobe-tune the news in the 60s. There was, you know, there was no, like... You know, there was there was no TC twenty two ninety the news in the eighties. There was no, you know, none of these things. Yeah, like people don't talk about. Interestingly enough, I read an article about Edward Van Halen last night. That one of the differences about how he plays is that when he does his finger tapping, he holds the neck. And I looked at a picture, and it's like, yeah, he's holding the neck in a way that is different than people who usually do it. He holds, like, he has a very seemingly tight grip on the sides and back of the neck with a lot of his fingers, and the remaining fingers are the ones doing it. So, like, he has a different leverage mm-hmm. and a different pull-off, mm-hmm. which gives a different sound and a different right. speed and different clarity, or not, because a lot of people rag on Eddie's tapping in the community of tappers. Is that right? Oh, my God, yeah. People are like... That that eruption is garbage. It's the sloppiest thing I've ever heard. Like there's like go deep into the communities. Wow. Yeah, um, there's a guy whose name I can't remember, um, but he like has a shtick, like a video where he has a double neck guitar not next to each other, but where they point out to the same opposite oh, sure, sides, sure. Seen- and he taps on both, sticking out like he's a bat. <laughs> you know, like his arms are out, and he's like harmony tapping on the two necks. Right. And like, 
that dude's not holding the, like he's got his thumb so like it doesn't just fly around in the air but like it's not it's an interesting difference in how Eddie does it much in the same way that like you can talk about a shooter how they release the ball like when they when they do it on the way up when they do it at the top of the arc whether they have a dead spin there's no spin whether they do a lot of backspin whether they change it in certain situations whether the three is always one way or not like like right. people will go like you say the incredible detail about the specific technique of a particular shooter or pitcher or hitter yeah you know um and people seem fascinated by it and it is fascinating i think it's actually worth talking about like that that's about the craft and the artistry and like just sort of what makes some of those things really amazing like that's going on whether we're aware of it or not but nobody is looking at jojo meyer's fingers yeah. until they watch the video like you were not and i didn't know about this until we watched it like looking at like how he grips the stick stick differently and how he generates speed and power and accuracy in the way he plays drums in a way that seems fundamentally different than most drummers i've ever seen and i've mm-hmm. seen a lot of drummers like even really good ones right and like that seems to be something that he did differently on his own you know and yes even in the thing we were watching they showed some historical precedents for it you know the way that buddy rich held his left hand you know and and did similar things but like you know, and then we get to watch video of his foot on the bass drum, and it's like, well, I've never seen anybody really move it like that before. But like, also, most people aren't looking behind the bass drum to see That's what right. other drummers are doing. But like, it's, it doesn't even come up. It wouldn't. People wouldn't consider it. Like you're saying, there's no, like, there's a little. I think there's a little more because of like the democratization of tools. Yes. Uh, a a reason. Right. A you know some of these oh, words cr- have band. crept in garage band, uh, rock band. I think right. has That's has right. led to a lot of that. Like I think there's more willingness to examine the craft and you know the or at least the component parts. The component maybe. parts, and yeah, and like approaching like this is a physical thing, you know, and like even I will say on the voice. Like, people finally get to see some of, like, what decisions singers make in preparing to sing, even when they might do something totally different than that, like, both in terms of, like, what is what is technically different, what advice they're given by people, you know, who we know, like, what did Pharrell say to that singer about, you know, how they're doing, like, how they're moving their body or how they're breathing, or when they choose to go up to the high note, whether they should do it earlier or later or hold it longer, like... Those are all things that like musicians think about all the time and like go through different iterations of or don't, but like right. that's what makes it up yeah. in a way that like is never talked about. And that's like starting to be like a gateway to that. But but it's not like they're not doing super slow mo. Right. Partly because there's maybe the ad revenue is not, you know, justifying that. But it would be yeah. interesting if there was if there was a like an exploration of that. You know, well, and also because, like, I I read something about, like, slow-mo, like, that it first started in, like, Florida State, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, how they, like, you know, somebody just had the idea. Like, what if I could do this? We could learn things about our program and what works and what doesn't. And, like, you know, slow-motion photography been around for a while, but nobody had applied it to sports. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, like, at some point, maybe there will be, like, some weird, like, the voice will, like, put up a, like, a pitch graph from Autotune to show you when that person is sharp. 
as a way of like deciding who to vote for. Yeah, very interesting. What if? I don't know. Or like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, how that could happen or if it ever would. Right. I feel like there's, yeah, it's just interesting to me how there's so little musical analysis of there's music. There's no emotional analysis. analysis and sort of s- right. cultural analysis. Yeah, but there is no musical no analysis to speak of. And it also, I think that contributes to the dumbing of music and yeah. the sameness of music in a way that people are willing to listen to differences in strategy on basketball courts and hockey games and stuff. Like, I don't think that's an accident that some of those things are very highly evolved. Like, that's a... Like, kids who watch that go on to be players and coaches. Mm-hmm. Like, it just happens. And I don't think it doesn't... Nobody gets... Nobody's like, ah, I'd watch baseball except they talk a little too much about how the pitch is thrown. Yeah. Nobody's put off by that. Nobody I've who likes never the, heard sp- the sport never heard or that. the endeavor yeah. is put off. Nobody... They goes, want to see this, right. like how the guy holds the bat. Nobody goes. Where to the are his hands? Institute. How did he hit that ball yeah. off his shoe tops? Nope. Tell me if you can't show me. Just tell me. Right. Nobody goes to the art institute. It's like I liked it, except I don't like the. I, yeah. I really was put off by the part where they say what the materials yeah, were. Seriously, how he, it was just how like he painted it. Yeah, I don't want to know about that guy. I don't want to know. What are you telling me these things right. for? But it's yeah, because it's. The, I mean, in in all those areas, you will yeah. you will learn something about. The specific... The technical. Yes, the technical. If we can lump it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And maybe you're also interested in the guy's or woman's personality or their upbringing or whatever, but that's... Sure. All that is in in music writing is about the... The The biography. narrative. And, yeah, like the... What do they call that? A uh, hegeography? Yeah. Uh, it's not a word I'm comfortable saying. <laughs> I know. Because, loud, yes. because I'm also sure I don't know what it means. I've asked people multiple times and it sort of doesn't stick. I don't know. Yeah. The root of it, I think, is Greek for saint. Right, yeah. Hagiography. I don't know. But, like, it's like the, it's like biography, whether that's the word for that or not, but, like, biography as, like, yes. as... It's like a substitution for the thing itself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like identity music. Yeah, that's right. Which I understand that that's which part there, of what that music is, is. We should consider that. That should right. always be something that you think about. It's fine. But there's definitely there's more to it. There's this whole other actual part yeah, of music for sure. that doesn't have anything to do with yeah. how people use it as a, as a cultural identity. Nobody talks about what gauge string John Mayer uses on Entertainment Tonight. Right. Which they probably wouldn't understand. Well, but even you know. reviewing from... Right, that's one thing, and I understand that. But like, nobody talks to a Grammy winner about how did you, how they made that song that has been decided to be the best song of the year. Totally right, which right. is happens all the time in sports ball. Of course, you know it's yeah, nobody, all the time. That's right. Nobody ever talks to them about any of that stuff. And it, now there will be like a guitar magazine that will talk to Mayor about his gear. And a little about his technique or influences and stuff, but they, even there, they don't really yeah. break down. Like, very rarely have I seen anyone talk about what was your choice of key mm-hmm. or yeah. why did you use, you know, why did you play these inversions right. of the chords? You did you try it another way first? Thirds in the bass. Did you write it as bar chords? Right. Were you noodling and just doing different shapes? You know, what of these things that everybody does were you doing when? This right. happened. And I think a lot of it is that people can't go back in time and remember that stuff. Yeah, that's some of it. However, there's plenty of things like 
ask the producer what went down when they made all the decisions or the engineer like yes he's right. just sitting there watching except right. when they're not <laughs> um who are except when they're substantively contributing to the creative process in a way that the and that's the beauty of it also is like people people have imaginary ideas about like who does what when songs are written when songs are performed when yes. songs are made when albums are made it's just a total imaginary that's right. like unless you were there or you talked to the people who were involved you cannot presume to know anything about who did what and that's too bad because then which you- i think is then a you, loss for people. I totally agree, and a, and a sort of a to go back to the other side of it. That's really a cultural loss. Like yes, later on, it is because then all you have is Bernard Purdy's word that he yeah. played on everything. Right? Exactly. You don't have like correct. We don't know who the other geniuses were. Right. And we don't, don't know how they got the shaft. And I mean, right? Who wouldn't want to know? You know, who wouldn't want to understand? Like, how? What did Monet do? Did he spend like an hour mm-hmm. on this? Did he spend like four days? Like, how did he right. do that? Like, who wouldn't want to know that about things that are mm-hmm. yeah. great well, and meaningful? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, not only what was, like, a, a seminal moment for that person that then led to a creation of something we all enjoy, but how did they translate that? That's right. How did that become that? How did it inform it? Yeah. We don't, like, we hear that some about songs like Dylan or, yeah. like, you know, some of those, you know, spring scene, we get some of the backstory, but we don't get... Um. We we get precious little also of the accidental additions to things that make them what they are. Right. You know, we were gonna add this guitar. We we always meant to add a guitar. We just forgot, and then we realized, oh, that sounds pretty good without it. Well, you know, what were you you know what were you gonna do? What did right. what what about that track that never made the song? You know, it's what like, is that? It's like when they now we occasionally see behind the music, or they bring up all the tracks, and we hear how they're broken down or bounced yeah. down, and like all that. And suddenly, you know, like one of those guys is like, "Oh my gosh, I forgot about this. We never used this." And it's right. like, then, you know, I wish they would ask the next question. Right, because as a why not? Right, and it's a pretty interesting thing I think to unpack. Yeah, especially if you really like the work. Or even right. if you don't, it can just give you a different kind of appreciation sure. for not only that piece of work, Absolutely. but how those things in general are created, Yeah, that process. Yeah. And uh, you yeah. Know, I think you get a little of that like with early drafts of books from you know mm-hmm. popular works where there exists an earlier yeah. draft and stuff. Yeah. And to, you wanna... to Sportsball's credits, it's not just about entertainment. It's right. actually not just about entertainment. It's actually about like a love of a human endeavor. And and like digging into that, uh, yes, like with right. you know with both hands and being like, I want to hear everything about this. I want to know. I want to know everything that I can that's going on. Because I think it also says something about like, how do you, how do you, what's the process for doing stuff, making yeah. stuff, being good at stuff? Like, yeah. What are those? Yeah, and and that like I mean I get all sorts of ideas from watching and listening and thinking about all sorts of stuff that doesn't have to do with what I'm doing. That's right. That's right. And yeah. I think that mo- right. I think that people. That's right. I think most you people do. To things other I think than most music. people do, but I think that like reiterating that and showing it and and playing it out in front of each other then becomes generative and positive for each listener, watcher, viewer. It can't. I mean, how could it be anything but? And some people, I think, might not care, but I think some sure. people, even people who don't and they can change the channel. play guitar or play bass or whatever, I think some of them might actually really 
find it to be interesting and might enhance their appreciation right. of fans. listening to music. That's right. Fans. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm not a pitcher, but I'm interested right. to understand how it makes it more interesting to me that yeah. when someone throws a slider, they hold Because that, to me, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I could never yeah, what do is that. what's going on so there? It makes me appreciate yeah. it a little more. Right. Not just in a wow, I can't do that way, but no, like, but like in a like in you know the, like that there's choices that there's yeah. things going on. Well, and on. how they set up the next pitch, the like game what you know, the game. exactly game within the game. Yeah, like why did the catcher and the pitcher go with a certain sequence of pitches? What do they both know about a certain batter, and was the batter know about the pitcher? That's right. You know, like that head stuff is awesome. Yes, I agree. And it's kind of like you know we were talking the other day about my love of. Uh, a lot of the Bob Marley records, yeah. right, and that and that how those things are constructed, both arrangement wise, sort of part wise with mm. the music, and then sonically, like how they yeah. technically mixed it, right. the, where the equalization and stuff, right. and how there are in a lot of those songs, most every part is really its own kind of mini song, mm-hmm. and they fit together in yeah. a way that does like a little puzzle. Yes, that usually. Things aren't stepping on each other yeah. in an uncomfortable way. Things kind of all have their place, yep. arrangement-wise and sonically. And it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's a different kind of music. It's not a layering like force music. It's a. Yes. And it's not like a, it's a little. And there's a place for mush, but it's sure. not. It's not that. No, exactly. It's not about like creating a son. It, it ends up creating a sonic signature, but it's not about that in the way that some other music is. Right. Yes, and even just that, even like how do you make a mushy sounding right. backing right. track versus how do you make right. something that sounds distinct in each right. part? Right, well, and also explaining the like historically that you had no choice for some of these things. That you just had what you had, right. you know, and like, you know, when they, when they, when you watch, um, you know, old sports ball, you know, wooden racket, um, um, you know, uh, Spitball era, pine tar, um, short fence, long fence, like all sorts of like right. different things. That, you know, like the the way the ball is made, yep. uh, the way the bats are made, the height of the mound. Like, oh my god, the height of the mound, everything. Smoking in the dugout, huge. Yeah, tell us more about that. How did that change things? Why did that help? Right. Um, what were dudes on in the seventies? I read another article about Doc Ellis pitching that LSD no hitter. It's an amazing story. Every time I heard it, I hear something new, right. and it's always amazing. And, like, it's so yeah. great. Yeah. And, like, he said in that article, I think he said basically he was always doing something to, like, calm him down and, like, get his mind off it. Like, not think about where he was and what he was doing because it was too much. He couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Like, he had to, like, self-medicate to distract himself so, like, he didn't, like, freak out, you know pitching in the major leagues yeah and lo and behold he was a really good pitcher all messed up and it's like yeah we don't really want to replay that narrative i guess except really you know is it that harmful to talk about the variance in the human condition and what that's works right. for some people and what doesn't well that's i think that there's a time factor i mean there, come on right like it's okay to talk about it with people who in the 19th now century it's a long time ago yeah right right you could talk that about was different wild you could talk about yeah. whoever it was the 70s right yeah but but then, but I think to lose that information is yeah. a bummer. Because, I mean, now, you, especially since you have a whole generation of people now who have died. So, like, yeah. but wouldn't you want to know about, like, some of the James Brown stuff? Oh, I mean, my stuff God. Stuff that is truly, yeah. like, yeah. 
foundational. What did some of those? What do some of those other players have to say about those sessions? Right. For sure. How did that come together? Because I yeah. don't think there really is a reliable. No, a lot of that and is. And what were you yeah. doing? Like it's hard to know. Right. In some cases, I what guess were if you, you have doing? the master tape. You can go back and listen to the individual track and figure out. Except what a lot of that stuff doing. isn't individually tracked. Right. Well, there's that too. Yeah. I mean, I think the JB stuff there is, but like you know, anything before 1965 was like three track or less. Right. You know. So what were you right? Like, what? How did you play the part? What sound were you using? Yeah. What amp were you? I mean, all that stuff is. Yeah. Where were you? Who was right. near you? Who was far from you? Like, even if it wasn't technical, like just like, what was it like? Well, there's that too. Yeah. How to feel? Did you play louder? You know, everybody went back and listened, or no? You just got some direction, like, yeah. you know, did you change trumpets? You know, what kind of mouthpiece do you use? What size? Like, yeah. you know, just drill because it down. Probably in, see what happens. Right. I think for general fans, that stuff would be great. And also, as you point out, like there's, you know, you think about the next generation of hockey players and stuff. That's all that stuff is. I don't know what the word would be. It's grist. That's sort of like. Yeah, that that's going to help the next generation of trumpet players to know yeah. what mouthpiece they use and For how sure. they did that stuff. For and, sure, or like they find out, like, oh my god, like I don't care what those trumpet players did. What was really cool was what that sax player was doing. That's right. And as a trumpet player, I'm going to cop some of that. That's right. You know, because you know, it's yeah. like a you know, I don't care what I'm supposed to do. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and there's the stuff that I think that nobody. Even fundamental stuff about sure, yeah. I mean, that's getting writing there's things. a lot of stuff that gets deep in there, but sure. yeah, like super basics, yeah. things that like affect everything you hear, right? Like basic technical stuff that's not even talked about, or even basic musical stuff that yeah. probably anybody who's taken piano lessons would have some sensibility about. Sure, you know, like we we're talking about the uh, some of the Marley stuff, right? A lot of the kind of sort of cheerful ish. Yeah. Songs are actually in a minor key. Yep. I mean, I'm trying to figure out. Could you be love? Mm-hmm. Um, is this love, right? That goes down to the yeah. F sharp minor is the main thing there. Like, there's a lot of that stuff. Um, sun is shining, which is really weird because mm-hmm. it's very minor. Yeah. And stuff like that. And then nobody. Yep. We talked about the police stuff, right? And the sort of juxtaposition of yeah. the. Sad lyrics, happy music. Nobody really talks about that, no. even that part of it that much. Yeah. Angry lyrics, poppy. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Indeed. Um, we were talking the other day about, with Simo, about drummers. Yeah. And I think he mentioned both Phil Collins and Stuart Copeland. Yeah. Those are two guys that I think have, I don't know if you have others... Not only a distinctive playing style, and obviously played on big hits and stuff, and so they're on songs that you know, but that I feel like have, especially for drums, at least in the normal conception, they really have a voice on the drums, which I think it can be harder to do on drums because they're not really much like a human voice, right? Right. But those guys have like a character. Yeah sonically and playing wise that's pretty recognizable for sure that I think is sometimes beyond the things that they've chosen to play right because other people could play reggae-ish mm-hmm. stuff like Copeland and kind of whack the crap out of the snare mm-hmm. 
doesn't really sound like him. No, like the sum of the parts is too particular yeah. for that guy. Do you think of other people? Are there other... Those are the two guys when I think of drummers like mm. that. Um, Ringo. Ringo? Ringo. Yeah. Ringo? Ringo. Yeah. Um, yeah, that guy, you know. Yeah. Say what you will. Yeah. He's the most Ringo player That's he right. knows. Yeah, I mean, he's That's like... Right. It's 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 easy to pick it out. And not just because it's on Beatles stuff, but like, he's just very particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whoever was driving that bus... You know, it still went through the Ringo filter when he played it, you know, and he had a thing. Um, less so than those two, but I think still did. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, that's a great call, actually. And, like, I mean, Moon did, of course. Yeah. Bonham did. Even beyond his sound, just his playing was very particular. That's a great point, too. Super right? particular. Both, both facets, both sound and yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like Moon had it more playing than sound, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's it's a struggle to find the sounds for that guy where you can hear what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of... I think yeah. there's a lot of particular drummers when you start to dig in there. Right. Um, I think there's less particular bass players. Yeah. Can you think of any? Yeah. I mean... That's a hard one. It is. I've actually been listening to a lot of Larry Graham lately on Sly Stone, and because I listened to a lot of him at one point when I, like, at some point I I became, you know, just comfortable, like, with uncomfortable silences of bass, you know, like, and sometimes that was, like, learning a song to, like, learn the song. I just want to listen to what everybody else, like, the status quo to then figure out what was needed or going on or what I wanted or what I heard or any of that. But also, like, just... He would not necessarily play. Is that right? Yeah. Like, it, which is weird because the dude is, like... Right. He could fill all the rhythm in the world. Right. Or he would just stop. That's interesting because I think of him thumping... Yeah. He would just stop. And, like... And also, like, he was a dude, like, that also had, like, a simultaneous, like, clean and dirty... So, like, he could fill, like, an infinite amount of tone or space or rhythm, but, like, he also, there's plenty of times, like, so often on intros, but even in the middle, he'll just drop out, and then and then he'll break it up. Like, he'll be thumping, and then, like, he'll stop, and he'll play a little riff, and that'll be it, and then he'll play a little riff, and then it'll go back to the other part, and he'll come back with the thump. Very interesting. But, yeah, like, he was, I think he was as good as anybody at like really like like consciously deciding when to play as well as what to play because that's really you know people don't like it when you play bass and you stop playing they hate it hate it yeah it's disturbing right it's just like yeah like you feel it feels unfinished or it's like it sucks you in because like where did everything go or like you know the the chords don't feel right. Like like you know the drummer doesn't know who to listen to anymore, and it's just like you know yeah. that doesn't happen with everybody. Like you know, there's plenty of people we play with all the time. It's like I can stop playing. Nobody's nobody's even to know. They can't hear what I'm doing, let alone care. You know, but it's like like some people are just like so premised on like particular things, especially like dear God, like like. I mean, I've been in things where, like, people are like, no, hold the notes out. Like, you know, 
Just go one to the next, but don't pick up your fingers. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. They just want a bed. Yeah, they want a bed. They don't want it to ever stop. They want that, like, smoothness. And they want, you know, or they want it to drive. I want eighth notes all the time. Do not stop. That's what moves it. You know, and it's like, oh, my God. Play your own goddamn instrument, you know? So it's like... (coughs) You listen to the Sly stuff? Do you listen to any of the Grand Central Station stuff? Or you just not much. The Sly stuff. The Sly stuff. Okay. Um, I have to dig into it. it. It goes all the way out there too, um, and also like, um, just super like influential. Like listen to like just like Baby, which is on There's a Rag on. Okay, I don't know that one. Um, like how he wobbles the notes all the time. It's like creepy, but it's also like. It's like Pino Palladino's, like, it's like 80% of what he does, is that song. Like, both his walk and, like, his variety and his, like, rhythmic, like, stutter. Because that that song also goes into this, like, sort of heavy blues, like, Bill Weathers heavy blues at one point. And then gets, like, the groove starts, like, you know, compacting and stretching out. It's crazy. The guy's like a genius. Um, and, you know, he makes use of, like, the whole spectrum. He's not, like, a bright tone guy, but with the fuzz thing, it does things. Yeah. And he'll go up high, so he's not doing all that. And he's, you know, he invented the pop. You know, like, the invented the snap and pop. Yeah, right. Like, the guy's, yeah. like, a you know, he's a credible musician who played bass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I watched a, also... You go and you watch a lot of the live stuff where he's not playing, and it's like, that poor guy. Like, his sub. He's a good bass player. But it's, it's like, night and day. Yeah. Like, where's Larry? <laughs> where's that guy? I saw, remember the show Rock School from the 80s? Oh, no, sure. It was a British thing? Yeah. It was sort of to teach kids. It was a great idea. Teach oh, yeah. young people how to it's play genius. rock music. Yeah. Um, it's specifics about the idiom, like about mm-hmm. how to play certain parts, how you For sure. put yeah. the fifth on the bottom or whatever you were right. doing. Yeah, or, or lift it up and like don't do a root, right. you know, and and just play the top four like strings on all your chords. Stuff, yeah, right. there's a million. Yeah, And there's one where they have Larry Graham there for a minute. It's yeah, him right. And the guitar player. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he's like telling you how to make, make yeah. it funky. Th- and exactly. Hit the one. Yeah. There's a Bootsy. Thing I remember too. this. There's a Bootsy. There's a bo- I remember too. both the Bootsy and the Graham. I've and seen Larry those. Graham, and the thing about Larry Graham is like. In the 80s. He's kind of, yeah. He's kind of like. Um, you know, he's just. It's just him playing the bass. And he's yeah. really playing, I think, just like octaves. He mm-hmm. might be playing yeah. something else. He really broke it down on that, I remember. But it's so musical like yeah. it's so cooking yeah. even though it's just him like slapping yeah. the thumb on me yeah that's the, the thing room. like he's so he can play the whole song he's like one of the only he could probably just be a band him bass right. and voice like right. he might be one of the only people that could do that not because he fills it up but just because like he does the right stuff he makes a song out of the fewest possible things like right. or a feel like and not just a feel, but like a song feel. Right. Like it moves and changes. That's right. And plays the song with the feel as well as the notes. And like, it's, it's ridiculous. Kind of like when we listen to that JoJo Mayer stuff the yeah, other day. Yeah, it's like that. And it's, it's JoJo that on drum kit and, sorry, I don't know Duder's name yeah. on bass. Yeah. Where the bass player's playing pretty much like an ostinato thing, like mm-hmm. for, with very slight variations. Yeah. 
but yet it's totally compelling and it's a song. It is. Well, yeah, it gives just enough to let them both develop a structure and develop a vocabulary within the song and have it go, have develop an arc and not uh, like not cover JoJo because nobody wants you to cover JoJo. He's right. you know that's his that's his platform, right. but also for most people, it helps you understand JoJo better. Yeah. To have that there. And it gives JoJo something to work in. He doesn't yeah. have to. He doesn't have to create everything. That's right. You know, and yet he could just play. He's another guy who could yeah. just play by himself. And you're like, that's music. That's a song for reals. Yeah, but it's even more obvious when you just add a bass, which is you know yes. that's saying a lot. Right. Because you know it's just a bass. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And he's not busy. Also that bass true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is also the great thing about Larry Graham that he's. You know, a lot of times it's not super complicated what he's doing. Not that he can't play yeah. complicated. Yeah, things. he played lots of complicated stuff, but a lot of the stuff was simple. But also, like, try and play with, along with the record, man. It's like, you're right. It's it's almost impossible to, to reproduce like his feel because yes, it's right. like, partly because they're all dudes playing together, and you know that was not a click track group, and you know it. So it's hard to just be in that headspace and that yeah. you know body space but like even so his decisions are just like whoa Beach, there dude there's a thing we talked about I was thinking about because you were talking about the sly stuff and I'm thinking about uh, family affair mm-hmm. right and how kind of lo-fi and weird sounding that's super lo-fi is. yeah like the recording's kind of technically terrible in some ways like like in terms of the recording quality yes right yeah. that's right yeah, but, I mean, obviously, the, it's it works. It's got a magic. It sure and it does. Grooves yeah. and it, yeah. it's a good song compositionally. Yeah. It is right. So there's those things. Too. The sort of technical stuff. Not that fidelity is everything, but it's noticeably no. lo-fi. I would say it's it's. Uh, I would. I think it might be the lowest fi ever released. Like, honestly, it might be the lowest Fi song to ever be on the radio. Yeah, to kind of be a, as far as a it's hit song that wasn't... really impressively, right. like, the out there. It is hipster out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, like, I don't actually know, did he intend that? I think he did. Or was it, like, an artifact of him being on so much PCP so much of the time that he could That's not right. tell? Like, like I don't know. Design accidents, right. you know. Another time where it would be interesting to know. I would love to hear more approach. interviews about detail with Sly Stone. Yeah, detail. But it also reminded me of a thing that you said years ago. You were talking about. I don't know if it was your quarter. You were talking about an interview you had read about, maybe with an engineer or producer about sounds and stuff, and how a great part will make you think the sound is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And so, like, I think one of the examples yeah. was, what I think is arguably a pretty cool guitar sound, right? <laughs> it's one of, that might, if I had to pick one edge tone, I think that's it. Right. It's a great to blow. part is, oh, yeah. And it's the matching of it, right? It's the, yeah. It's the f- way For the, sure. So thinking about, like, fidelity and stuff and how, there's some songs, I think, where you listen to certain recordings the tones are actually not very good at all. Right. But the part makes you think it's good or monstrous. Right. Well, tone. and like it's, yeah, it becomes, you, it, it's all in hindsight becomes intended. You know, even like, like the good tone is objectively good. That's a ripping tone you have. 
like that's awesome. You could play, you know, you could play Havanagila and it would be amazing. But like then you listen to Family Affair and like not only do I still not know whether they intended it to sound like that, I can't really imagine it not sounding like that. And I don't want it to not sound like it. Like, that's family affair. Like, it wouldn't be that without that. Like, it's part and parcel. And and on some level, like, that's the... To me, that's the interesting thing. Because if you've never worked on making a record, you assume everything is intentional. Which it never is. There's not a record in history where everything is intentionally done as the way it was planned or the way you want it. It's never happened and it never will. And, like... The idea that, you know, what we're hearing and what we've all loved for decades is like some, like, you know, masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It's just not, you know, it's not, there's accident and there's mess and there's like, there's just limitations and there's all that stuff and that's what it is. And then you're presented with a finished thing and you're like, wow. And you can, you know, you can listen to it 150 times, but you don't know why it is the way it is. And that doesn't mean it was supposed to be the way it is. Prob- almost certainly wasn't. You know, like I was thinking about some specifics, so a couple things that come to mind off the top of my head are like some of the Hendrix stuff, so mm-hmm. particularly the more rocket stuff, like, or the, like all along the watchtower. Sure. Like the guitar sound is very weaselly and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean... He's obviously one of the great wizards of all time. Yeah. One of the monsters of tone. Oh, yeah. Not on that song. No. Not on that recording. No. And, but the, because well, of the and performance. Same thing with The Who. Like, they did not sound like yes, their the garbage recordings. recordings were terrible, yeah, right? The appalling. guitar sounds, right? Yeah. And they, and they just, they, they just didn't sound like the band. Right. Like, That's even right. if you see, like, the worst TV broadcast of what they were doing at the time, you're like, well, why couldn't it sound like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like. Right. You know, it's like it actually, you can hear that it sounds like them. Like, right. you know that they sounded, and yes, they did sound like them. Right. And same with Hendrix. Like, you hear, like, a really good live recording from that, like Winterland, and it sounds amazing. Okay. And that's why people, like, were, like, in awe, because it sounded amazing. But, like, on the, on the record, not so much. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, and there's that perception... But I think it has to do with the parts and the songs, or like, you know, people love Clapton, right? And Clapton and Layla, like that people. is one of the thinnest, weaseliest. His song, yeah, that riff on that is. Well, that whole that whole recording is like a weird like. And it's really, it's really like, in the way that like 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 everybody was using the wrong tape and machine and everything at that moment in time like listen to like St. Dominic's it's not like a high fidelity record right you listen to that like Derek and the Dominos which is earlier Derek and the Dominos is like 70 and St. Dominic's is 73 mm-hmm. or 4 but like there was a period there where like people were like you know if you weren't working with Glenn Johns wherever they did that stuff like it was going to come out sounding really weird and sort of squashy and like problematic you know yeah but like then within that problematic mini context then you get an even weaselier tone and it's like oh yeah. come and on yet I think people perceive it as being like 
great because they oh, they saw it have, like at a show and it was and right, it sounded great right and they've heard his tone in other contexts yeah. right and they're sort of transposing that exactly. onto sure and and they like the song and they like they the do. part right they do I mean that's a bad example for us because we both hate that song <laughs> it's a bad example for us so it's, it's hard to get target. behind it right you know it's hard yes. to yeah and I have no desire to yeah right yeah yeah that's not a um, it's not the best example. Yeah, but that whole thing is weird still too, because then you listen to like records made before that, and they sound way better. I don't know. Yeah, who can who can explain that stuff? Errors in judgment. Yeah, and also I think there's the like the uh, and also psychoacoustic, yeah, if exactly. you will, like, oh, yeah. properties totally. of things. Yeah, you adjust to your surroundings and you make a good record within that, and then you leave the place and you're suddenly like, oh my god, what happened? And as a listener, like we were talking sure. about, uh, same thing. Like some of the Zeppelin stuff. Well, and all, like, and yeah, and you hear stuff on the radio, and even back then, the radio was doing magic to it that wasn't happening on your stereo. Right, compression, yeah, and tone, whatever they were doing, not probably some EQ stuff. Yeah, for sure, that made it a lot different. Yep. Yeah, and we were talking about the, um, you know, some of. Page's tone on certain songs, or a song, or a yeah. couple songs where he's not even playing electric guitar at all. Nope. And yet people have a perception of yeah. it. That is a heavy so song. Heavy and like hard. Right. And it is. It's heavy. It just ain't hard. Yeah. It's just heavy mile, heavy rockish. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting thing too, right? Is that there's what is the rock? Yeah. Where does it come from? Does it come from the sound? Does it come from the tempo? Does it come from the words? The right. caterwauling? Like, I, I don't know. Right. You know? Right. I do not know that. And even, you know, then even the rockers disagree. Well, and I think it can come from different places, probably, right? Sure. Like some, some bands get it from their drummer. Right. Some bands get it from the guitar playing or the guitar tone. Right. Well, and like, and some people only accept one version of that. Anything that doesn't do that is not. That's right. That is not my metal. That is not my rock. That's a great. Point. That is not my whatever. That's a great point. You know, and the rest of the world is like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "I know this is what matters most," and they don't do what matters most, and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, Beach, aside from Larry Graham, people whose right. tone you really like? Tone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... I was never into Graham's tone other than the use of fuzz. Yeah. He has a great tone, but, I mean, it, it's not a remarkable... Right. It's remarkable in that it's him. Yeah. And the way... And I don't know how to describe it other than that. But, sure. like... Um, it wasn't like noteworthy as a tone. It was just like a magnificent player, mm-hmm. and that you know how it worked into their whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, like the the space he was given to work. Because like a lot of that, like a lot of that slice stuff is like really traditional in a way. Like like his, I only just learned that it's his brother who plays guitar, and his playing is not like his playing is not innovative. He's like he's playing very traditional stuff on a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. um, just like comping. Like, just weird, like, very straight-ahead, like, accompaniment. Um, I don't know how to describe it, except, yeah. like, once I, once I listen to it, I'm like, hey, what is he doing most of the time? Like, and, then, like, some of the times it's wicked, but a lot of the time it's not, he's not the thing. Right. He does have an amazing voice, though, I will say that. 
um, there were a lot of amazing voices in that band. Yeah. Um, especially when you watch the live ones, you're like, holy cow, she's going to light that place on fire, like some of those voices. And, like, it was awesome. But then, like, it's just an interesting group of musicians, too. Like, the weird mix, the mix mox that it is of, like, Sometimes they had a rocking drummer, and sometimes he was really wimpy. And, like, Sly was, you know, generally playing organ or not at all, which is weird to see an organ player. Right. Like, it's front and center like that. On music that's not considered organ music. That's right. Nobody thinks of that as organ music. No. Um, and, like, his sister played Rhodes most of the time, I think, or some equivalent. Um... And, like, his other sister also played keyboard. And then there was that that lady trumpet player, which you never saw then, a lady trumpet player, right. who was, like, the lead horn and right. also one of the singers. Um, and I can't remember her name right now. But, like, it's just a really interesting, like, combination of individuals, but also sort of under the thumb of Sly, his, like, master plan, which... You know, sometimes was genius and sometimes was madness and sometimes was just boring and repetitive. Um, and he was not the best recycler because um, mm-hmm. he sure went for it, but it didn't always it didn't work out as much as I'd hoped it would. But um, yeah, it's a strange it's a strange band in a really good way. But like his tone, Larry's tone, eh, yeah. it's fine. Marcus Miller had a better version of the same tone um uh so did bernard edwards i want to say very related larry's was a little rounder on the bottom i will give him that for sure um people love bootsy i never really got into bootsy you you know but you could hear him a mile away which is hard to do right um Sly or Robbie, I'm not sure which is which. <laughs> um, and I'm not big into that, but like it's right. truly unmistakable, you know. And like once again, like irreproducible. Yeah. Uh, there's a thousand reggae bands in the world, and none of them do that. Right. Um, uh, oh, you know who's a really good bass player right now is um, um, the guy who plays with. Uh, oh, guy sounds, Bruno Mars. Yeah, the guy who plays Bruno Mars is a genius. Okay, he's a great bass player. I haven't, um, I haven't been, he's he's also that. the best dancer in the band. He's also very small, but he's he's a beast. He's incredible. He never always in it and leading it and dancing like unbelievably. Um, there's that guy. Yeah. His tone. Yeah, that's right. And he made his space, you know. They rec- they were smart enough to recognize what they got. More power to him. I love Flea. Great player. That's actually great. great. ideas. Yeah. He did, you know. That's right. For sure. And you're right. That is an interesting thing, like, for the four right. and what's the Right. Like, what's the default? What's going to change that up a little here and there? Me too. Start from. How does that get mixed up occasionally? The who? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who else, really. I mean, there's a lot sure, of classics, of but this guy was. Um, I'll have to dig into that. There's a lot of good... There's a bunch of good bass players out there. Oh, yeah. Like... Tons. Um, 
I listened to a ridiculous amount of Motown for a few years. So. And. It's interesting to me how the. Not that they weren't thinking about it, and yet there's a lot of great mm-hmm. sounds. Not just great songs and great performances, right. but also. Um, yeah, they. they they push the limits of those limitations in a way that, like, sort of doesn't happen at this point. You're expected to simply sort of, you know, perform because there are fewer limitations somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works, but I think it is. Like, so now than it ever did. Yeah, well, there's also the the whole thing, and I know that a lot of, you know, the, the reluctance to commit to yeah. accept. In the earlier days, like you had to decide and you had to yeah. commit it to tape, and then that was. Really I prefer to think about music that way. Yeah. In the few times that I still make it. <laughs> yeah. To making your decisions and. Yeah. Yeah, because once it, the sound, the performance, That's it's all right. in separate. You'd never play the part if not for the sound. That's half right. the time. That's right. On any instrument. That's right. That's. Or right. with any voice. That's right. Yeah. Just, you know. Yes. If you have something in mind, do what you have in mind. Just do it. You know. Right. And if it's coming out. Not working well, now you know. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Out of hard drive space. We got to keep it in the chunk. Chunk style. Chunk style. No, because you can just cut some out. Edit that bizzle. Expectation. Mm-hmm. What it, what music are you going to put under this? Have, I want to know. Well, I can't put... Technically, I couldn't put anything that's not... Cleared? Yeah. Against, I suppose. Or, or like... Isn't it, there, should be a, there should be a random mode. No, it just goes berserk for a while. You'd probably do that. You'd think. Um... Um, or put, you know, like more nature sounds or more jets, race cars. Picking up. Yeah. Yes. I think we're picking up no a fair amount. You're going to, yes. you're going to, com- you know, you're going to do some processing and then yeah. we're on we his vehicle. Be... <laughs> we could. We could. a jungle soundtrack. Yeah. And then there's mod. All right. See that? My guest. Be- I don't know. Call- incoming call. It's one of those calls that mm-hmm. I'm not answering. Oh, I see. We should have a lot of topics we didn't even get to cover, so we'll get to those another yeah. time. Like what? Beach, sports, food, travel. Oh, right. Other things in life. Food and travel. Yeah. I don't know that much about sports these days. But do you watch them? You're interested in them, though, right? You still like them, or you you watch less and follow I just less? watch less and I follow less. Um, you know, it goes in waves. I would watch more of some sports if I had the opportunity. Which ones? I'd watch the Bull. I want. I love Derek Rose. I think he's incredible. Okay. He's just fascinating. Okay. You know. Yeah, I can't watch the NBA anymore. But. Well, I mean, that's the other thing is I, I watch that. I think. You know, for a while, I think it's just my attention span. I just got out of it for a while, and then like it seems like there's nobody to watch, but. Once you watch a little, then there are guys to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Derrick Rose is insane. Yeah, there seem like there's some good guys to watch. I just can't watch the game anymore. I understand that. Sure. To me. Yeah. What else? Is there something else besides the NBA that you would watch? Um, 
No, it's pretty much just home team stuff. You know, I'd watch the Hawk if I got more of it out there. I'd watch the Bull if I got more of it out there. I don't care about the Cub or the Sock. Okay. Um, it's Even pretty much the Cubs it. are about to win the World Series? Oh, God. How old are we? <laughs> Seriously. We, I mean, we can't fall for that. That's some P.T. Barnum shit. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, seriously, you expect me to believe anything about the Cubs. I'll believe it if you tell me they're going to suck for the next five years. And even then, I might not. You visit the Great Egress. Seriously, exactly. That is going to be, yeah. Yeah, there's a few NBA stars, though, who are really amazing to watch, for sure. That are just like, oh my god. D-Rose is one. Mm-hmm. D-Rose. He gets injured a lot because he makes his body do things bodies can't do. Mm-hmm. You know? He's like... I used this online with Mac once on Facebook where he was talking about D-Rose and the injury. He's a big he's a big supporter of D-Rose. And I was like, dude, he is Kerry Wood. He's so good because he's doing something that his body cannot sustain. Mm-hmm. Like, he is able to change directions and go fast and high and land and jump and, you know, back and forth and up and down and, like, leap and shit. And it's just like, that's going to break the human form. Like... Like he's, you know, it doesn't matter that you're in incredible shape. There is le- literally like a like a tensile strength right. to some of these parts, and it's like, you know, Kerry Wood struck out twenty dudes because he was doing something that his arm could not do for very long. But while it worked, holy shit, you know, it's like, you know, he seems like another species because it's just like people don't do that. Arms yeah. don't do that. Ball, the ball doesn't do that. Right. You know, because he literally was just like. You know, for the sake of his performance, doing something that would wreck his body. It just doesn't work. And then he never had another great season again. You know, he was mediocre. Yeah. Now he's done. I think your guy derailed. I don't know anything about it, but it seems like a lot of injuries. Right, he's going to be able to come back. He's able, that's the thing, he's great at conditioning and he's great at, he can come back, but like, the fact that he keeps bl- get blowing himself out, it's just like, right. how do you teach yourself to not do those things that will destroy you? Like, I don't think he can. Like, he's gonna just, he might just be that guy. He's just so given to doing, you know, the impossible because, like, he wills it. You know, like, he's Jordan, except that, like, he's less, he's doing harder things. He's three inches shorter. He's, you know, he's, he's, three times faster. I've never seen anybody as fast as he is. Like, he's sprinting down the court. Like, nobody can catch him. It's crazy how you've never seen a basketball player this fast. Like, except when you see, like, Scotty or LeBron covering territory in the open court. But even, like, this dude's, like, 6'3", and he's just, like, flying down the court. Like, running through everyone. It's Jordan style, but, like, like on 1.5. You know, it's just, like, What? And it's like, he's just like, you know, and then he'll like stop in the middle. And it's like, what does that do to your body? Yeah. It's got to be that because it just keeps happening. And then he's like incredible shape and he comes back and he gets, you know, a surgery and then some other part explodes, you know, (laughs) it's not like his wrist is exploding, you know, it doesn't bear weight. You know, him hanging from the hoop doesn't seem to hurt him at all. 
I did watch Jordan Hyra the other day, and it was so satisfying. It was awesome. If only for the one on the Knicks where he goes around the two guys, then doubles back like he's not going to, and then he doubles around him again and teabags Ewing. That one, the like, that I'm going this way. Oh, you got me. I'm going back. Oh, no, I'm not. You know, and like ends up beating four of the five Knicks just because he could. So good. Yeah. And there was one I hadn't seen in a while where like he's, he's like sort of not at the corner. He's more like in from the corner and somebody's at like going out to the corner and he's going to dish it off to them and it's whoop and like everybody bites. The camera bites. All the players bite. And it's just, and like he did it so well he hesitated. Like he's like whoop and like everybody's like going past and he's just sort of like are they, if they stop being fake now can I go to the hoop? Like it's fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was so good. That was the greatest palm fake. It's like everybody was just, oh. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Nobody does that. Nobody can sell that fake like that. I think you have to be like, I think you have to be one of those guys like LeBron where like people are like, I got to get there. I got to react. I got to anticipate. Because right, if nobody, yeah. if they don't believe. Exactly. Because they're, they're all great box. athletes. Right. Yeah. So box. like they have to believe that you can and then they have to believe that you are. That's right. You have to have both. And you have to have hands that will do that. Yes. Lefty pump fake. I think that was what really sold it. It was lefty. And it's just like, yeah. It's like, boo. What? Yeah. Greatest douche of all time. <laughs> but he was our douche. <laughs> right? That's right. Only years later did I realize how people can hate him or hate Phil oh, Jackson. Yeah. Like at the sure. time, like they're the best. Right. They were. They're our guys. But they're ours. I'm going to try and FaceTime Solomon Bird. Thanks for listening to What Else. I hope you enjoyed the discussion with Bish. I'd like to thank the Chicago Podcast Cooperative, chicagopodcastcoop.com, for hooking up the sponsorships and being generally supportive and cool. Uh, If you like this podcast, you may want to check out something else in the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. Uh, How about friendshipping? where Jen and Trin discuss friendship, particularly between ladies. They tackle the tricky stuff like, how can I make friends as an adult? How do I end a toxic friendship? And more. So check out Friendshipping. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again for listening.